Okay, people, let's do it differently this time, because this week is the Eurovision Song Contest week, and we only want to talk about cool songs from Europe. I'm not your toy. Oh gosh, seems like somebody didn't like it, uh, and I thought it was a great idea. Okay, message received, ABBA people, I'm gonna go back to where I come. Hello everybody and welcome to Brubagoon, you will not get there on a road bike. The Broom Wagon Podcast, aka your favorite independent cycling media. Maybe the second one. Let's say, I mean, I don't care, just let me know if you like it or not, you know where to find me, right? Calamaro CC and Broom Wagon Podcast on the Instagram, comment down below, wherever you want. And just remember all the time that if you want, you can rate, subscribe and do whatever you want in the application. Yes, exactly now, the application where you are listening to this podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify or whatever it is, I don't care. Put some stars there. It's going to be super helpful for me. As helpful is for Ukrainian people, if you go down in the description below and you go to their Bandcamp link where you can download the music that you're listening here and you can support the civilians that are there trying to get shelter from the bomb of the Russian invasion. That's another thing that we need to say. And another thing is the support that we are all giving, I am giving personally with my COVID jar to the Baikigis association that is teaching to people in Berlin better. It's teaching to women refugee in Berlin how to ride the bike. Talking about support, thanks Komut. Komut, who is supporting and helping this podcast keep on being independent. I mean, it's super great to talk with you people and to let you listen to this stuff. So thanks for Komut for making this happen. And also that is unlocking the adventure thirst of everybody out there. Have you seen in the social media, there was at the moment until last Sunday, I think, the Montañas Vacías Women's Rally. That's great. I mean, a really good group of women that rode in the Montañas Vacías, so in the area of Teruel, where the track was set by Ernesto. Ernesto Pastor was also here in this podcast some time ago. I mean, a bunch of amazing people together to make dreams happen. Thanks, Komut, for making this happen. And you can also make it happen just by going on komut.com slash G. And if you still don't have a subscription, put the code BROOM there and you will get an extra region that is going to unlock you biggest adventure in your life in another region. Turn-by-turn navigation and everything and all these cool things that can happen. Something like also the offline navigation is going to be there in this region. It's super amazing. And by doing that, you're supporting Komoot, of course, yourself, of course, and me. And that's great. Let's talk about the episode of today. Well, I was in Massa Maritima some time ago, and then I met with the Hunt people. I was sitting in a room with amazing people. Between them, there was Olli. Olli is the brand manager of hunt wheels and he told me look stefano you have to talk with josh ibet without the h josh ibet and i said yes i would love to i mean he's a great character he won the tcr he's all over in these amazing races 
and yeah, I should talk with him. And he told me not about that, not only about that, you have to talk with him because we are kicking off an amazing project and we are doing it with Simon, that is the person around, actually behind the race around Rwanda. Basically, we are putting together a team of Rwandan riders to support them and let them uh, continue with their cycling dream, plus bringing them to Europe to see other places where they are riding the bike and actually to acquire a bit more visibility. I was hooked straight away. I was in a talk with Josh and then we organized a talk with Simon and Jean. And that's the talk what is about. I mean, this was not really English, the one that I was using. I mean, that's what the talk was about. It's a pretty freestyle way because of some settings of the of microphones and stuff and also because of connection and also because Josh arrived into the conversation a tiny bit later. Like you're inviting people at the bar and then you're telling them, look, come whatever you want. And then you're enjoying a conversation, amazing conversations with amazing people. I talked enough. You listen to that. You let me know how it is. I will talk to you later. So this is a story that started with a vacuum cleaning in my room, but actually really started with uh, myself in Massa Marittima talking with Oli uh, from Hunt Wheels. And we, you heard about that already in another podcast. But basically, um, we talked about this project that we're going to talk about. And then he told me, look, you have really to put this on record. This is an amazing story. Then after the talk with Oli, I talked with Josh, Josh Ibet, that probably is going to come as well into this recording pretty soon. And then after a couple of emails now i am here today with two people that i'm gonna misspell probably and properly their name and surname so i'm talking with simon the shooter from race around rwanda and the journey around rwanda whatever it's called and all these amazing events that are happening around rwanda with the uh, gravel bikes and anyways off-road bikes and i'm also talking with jean ruberwa that is basically the reigning champion under 23 of road cycling. How was my pronunciation of your name, people? I think my last name, it's, it's impossible for non-Dutch speakers to pronounce. <laughs> it's, uh, the shooter, uh, the, the shooter is a good uh, proxy. Uh, approximate, I approximate it. I approximate it. And actually, I feel super guilty because Jean told me before I was his name and surname and could have been better pronounced by me. But how does it sound, Jean? It's Jean Rouverwa. Okay, Jean Rouverwa. It makes more or less a, a lot of sense. It's a Rwandan name. Yeah. Basically, we are here today to talk about cycling in Rwanda and also the collaboration about a project between, uh, yeah, these people that are sitting here and anyways, riding in Rwanda and uh, uh, Simon himself and Rwandan cyclists and hunt wheels so it's going to be a lot of super good talking but basically maybe we can start with a reader round of uh, presentation and introduction simon the scooter as i said i uh, i am indeed behind uh, the events which are happening in rwanda now being a race around rwanda uh, rwandan epic which is a mountain bike race and gorilla gravel which is a gravel race and then also Rwanda Beyond Bikepacking, which is a non-competitive, just a, a bikepacking journey around Rwanda. Um, I've, I'm Belgian from origin, but I, I've been in Rwanda for over five years now. I, I came here for a, for a job and I just, uh, I never left. And I'm not planning to leave anytime soon because, well, it's uh, it's really a paradise for cycling. Uh, yeah, that's that's my, my story in short. 
Perfect. What about you, Jan? Uh, give us a bit of an intro about yourself. Thank you. My name is Jar Verwa. I am a cyclist and I'm a tour guide, also Rwandan road bike champion. I am Rwandan. I born in Rwanda. I'm live for Rwandan. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, I will start with you, actually, Jean, with a question to you. How does your uh, journey with bicycles started? So how did you get in contact with cycling uh, Yeah, in your life and how bicycle really arrived into your life? In general, I, I really loved the cy- bicycle when I was young. And uh, I was just going to school and I was showing some cyclists from Timurwanda passing to my house. And I say, how can I join? Ask some some guys who was my neighbor. It's called Loki. He asked me to go and find a single speed, and then start training. When we we look you in shape, we take you in a test, and then we give you a bike. We join us, and then I do as I say. Was in twenty twenty twelve, and then I start. I get lucky, I go I join to test, I won, and then they they help me to join a club called the Benediction. It was in twenty thirteen. When I was junior I keep up, I keep up. And I started racing in twenty fourteen as junior races. And the twenty sixteen I joined first tour of Rwanda. And till now I did from now I did four tour of Rwanda. My last 12th one was 2.1 2019. And the, after that time is when I met with Simon and I joined the race around Rwanda. Till now, I'm joining off road. Okay, so now actually the road times of your life, the, the road cycling part of your life is over. You're just riding off road or you are still riding as professional, also as a road cyclist? Yeah, from from now I join off road, but I'm still champion uh, road cycling. Yeah, because of the normal road road races. That's why I I joining off road. Okay, okay. No, because this is a nice story. Actually, John told me about this kind of super amazing kind of paradox. Basically, you are the reigning champion of under twenty three road cycling, but you are twenty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I've been a champion from 2019. You know, in 2020, no more champion because of COVID. Yeah. Still, still now, no more championship. Okay. That's why I'm still champion. Nobody will replace me without a race. <laughs> okay. Okay. Perfect. So you are hoping <laughs> yeah. that it will never happen again. So you will be forever the champion, the under 23 road champion of Rwanda. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Simon, tell me about you. So you said that actually you came to Rwanda because of a job, actually. And then you never left anymore. And still you are there. And you love riding the bike there. But tell me a bit more of the background. How did it happen that you started organizing these amazing events? The Gorilla Gravel, you said, the race uh, around Rwanda and uh, everything else that you organizing there. How everything happened? <laughs> So I think 2017 I came here for to work for the Belgian government actually in a development project. I'm, a, I'm an economist by education. Um, and yeah, I remember I actually bought my first gravel bike just before getting here because I thought I needed a bit of a on and off-road kind of thing. 
Um, and just started riding, realizing, well, doing some some ultra races myself, and and then realizing while riding, because that's what you do during an ultra race is overthinking everything. Yeah. So I, I just realized this this should happen in Rwanda. Basically, of all African countries, Rwanda is by far the safest country. It's no problem to ride at night and in small villages. The country is compact, so it's really possible to to really cover every corner but almost uh, in a thousand kilometers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, com- I, I talked with a friend of, of mine here, uh, Matthew Brokenshire, um, and said like, yeah, wanna wanna host something, wanna organize something with me. And before we knew, we, we had three events and, uh, and a cycling team. So it got, it's, a, it's a passion which got out of hand, but uh, with a lot of... Uh, with a lot of pleasure, actually. No, yes, I I can completely imagine. Actually, how the situation can go completely out of control when you are starting a bicycle race in a place that is good to ride, and also with the full passion that you can find of people in Rwanda about cycling. I mean, I have in mind clearly that every year when the Tour of Rwanda happens. And actually, a lot of people are really on the border of the road, cheering at the cyclists and everything. How is the community? And how is actually cycling for the people from Rwanda? Because I think it's really great how much is well-received and how many supporters and how many uh, bicycle enthusiasts and uh, passionate people about cycling are there. Yeah, I think, and, and John can, can confirm this because he has been racing here. I've only been riding here, but it's, it's almost comparable to, to Belgian levels of, uh, of, of supporters on the side of the road. Um, even if we just do a small uh, one-day mountain bike tour, I mean, we, you do one lap uh, and there's no one. And by the time you are on lap three, there's thousands of people on thousands of people on the side of the road. So cyclists are known here as well. Um, it's one of the the countries where okay, it's still not the size of football, I think, but cycling is really one of the more popular riders, and the best cyclists are, are featured on headlines and. Newspapers and social media, so it's really cycling is a thing here. Uh, but it used to be only road cycling, so that's also what we are trying to do: is showing that. I mean, the tarmac in the country is amazing. So the roads which are here are the smoothest roads in the universe. But that's only say five percent of the roads which are paved. So ninety-five percent of the roads are gravel or single track. So that's also why we said let's let's do something on these roads as well. Let's let's that's where people are living as well. So let's just do some gravel, do some mountain bike, do some bikepacking, and uh, yeah, the, that's that's one of the the motivations for organizing this. No, yeah, that's uh, that's super great. Another thing that I want to ask you. So actually, um, also we talked about uh, race around Rwanda and then Gorilla Gravel, and then the other one is Rwandan Epic. This actually, you said it already. You read in Rwanda in 2017, but these races, these events are not super old. Super old, sorry. But how are them received by people? So you have a good amount of people coming. What people think about that, and especially how people are. What's the expression that they have? What they comments that they have? What the feedback that you receive as soon as they start riding in Rwanda? So in terms of international participants, and it's something which also brings me back to my first rides in Rwanda, mm-hmm. is the immediate reaction is is being overwhelmed. It's really 
It's just the, the beauty of the country and maybe, Jean, you've been here all your life and you, you cycled a bit uh, in other African countries as well, but it's just, it's just stunning. And especially when you're doing bikepacking races and catching the sunrise or the sunset, it's something else. And that combined with all the people on the side of the road and uh, it's, it's really something I can't compare with any other place in the world. So maybe, Jean, I don't know how, how you see this as someone who were born here. You also guide a lot of people, I think. So you, you've seen, you've heard a lot of reactions of, uh, of foreigners as well. Yeah, we used to, to go and offload around Rwanda, even a single trail. Mm -hmm. The people of Rwanda, they really love cycling. Even if they can saw you, you are European, you are alone, nobody can touch you. They just come behind you as a fan. They want you to stop. They want you to, to stop and have a small conversation. They really like, I may say, European, even all cyclists, they really enjoy for the people passing around the villages. Yeah. That's great. Maybe that's some, some, some word of warning for people who come to Rwanda for cycling. Yeah. People are really... Uh, are really passionate and they really want to, I don't know, just encourage you. But it also means Rwanda is quite uh, heavily populated, densely populated. There's almost always people. So it's amazing up until a certain point, maybe when you're struggling to get up a hill and there's a, there's a kid of five years old who is running up the hill faster than you are cycling. And sometimes it's like, please let me ride. It's, yeah, it's an experience for sure. Yeah, the, the thing that actually I'm imagining is actually if you're coming to Rwanda to do a backpacking trip or whatever, don't think about being fast from A to B. Because first of all, you need to enjoy the landscape, you need to enjoy the area, you need to enjoy the amazing country that it is. And second thing, you have to enjoy also the um, human part of it. So people that want you to stop, want to talk with you and everything like that, right? So if you go to Rwanda, don't think that you can be fast from A to B. Yeah, yeah, that's... It's a, it's a challenging place to ride a bike, not in terms of weather, not in terms of safety, but in terms of uh, topography. Okay, okay, perfect. But what about something that actually fascinated me? I remember that I talked as well with Michael and with Sule, a Kenyan rider, about the migration gravel race. And uh, yeah, I've been in Africa myself. And the thing that actually astonished me the most is actually the wildlife. How does it look like? So you go really on a gravel ride for a trip for yourself, let's say an overnighter and anything like that. Can you really enjoy, can you enjoy as well some good, lovely, amazing wildlife so you can see some animals there or? Um, it's not like Kenya. Um, there is a safari park here, but actually due to the country being so densely populated, it's one of the few safari parks uh, which is, uh, fenced completely. Oh, okay. Um, it's a huge area. It's it's like a size of a, of a province, but there's no chance of running into lions or elephants in uh, in Rwanda. Okay. Monkeys you you will see, but mainly cows and goats. To be honest, no lions around. So, so Jean, I'm curious. You were in the migration yourself last year. How how was it for you to ride with uh, like next to zebra and elephants and things like that? How how did you see that? <laughs> For sure, it was amazing and uh, a little bit scared. Like uh, when it was uh, the, for the first for the first stages, 
we're just going around, we saw some zebra around, I say it's okay. And I, I found the big animals called the wildebeest. Mm-hmm. It was going to passing us, was too faster. I say, what's it going to happen? <laughs> it was going faster more than us. It was too faster. And when it, it, it was just want to pass in front of us. I say, I don't know what can I do. I just go in the, in the middle. And then the other guys, they was feeling like, oh, wow. <laughs> but for the next, I start enjoy it and feel it. It was really nice, even see different animals. I really enjoy it. That's great. So it was actually uncommon also for you to ride really together with the wildlife. No, in Rwanda, it doesn't exist. Yeah, it doesn't exist in Rwanda. So it was as uh, surprising for, for the Rwandan riders as for the European ones in the migration. Oh, that's crazy. Okay, that's super nice. Well, I can say that actually Josh joined us. Let me... I see actually his little icon there into the call. Hi, jo- Hi Josh, how are you doing? I'm here. Sorry, I'm late. How are you? Uh, really good, thank you. You know what? I think that you fit perfectly in the conversation now. I am asking to Simon and I asked to Jan how is to ride in Rwanda. So you have been there yourself as well. How is to ride in Rwanda? Um, well, it's very hilly for a start. Uh, they, they call it the land of a thousand hills, and there's a good reason for that. <laughs> um, and it's it's very warm as well when you come from from the UK and Europe. Um, so I think it was above 30 degrees most of the time when I was there in February, which it takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the Rwandan riders cope when they come to Europe because they'll have the opposite problem it'll be too cold and too flat yeah it makes sense it makes sense maybe just to give a little intro uh, because yeah you jumped into the conversation we're talking actually with Josh Shibet I think that probably everybody who is in this podcast know your name for sure but yeah we're talking basically somebody who is kind of a presence into the uh, ultra endurance bike packing world but here today you are putting for sure the hat not only of the ultra endurance cyclist but as well as the part of the project that we will talk about today that is the Rwanda beyond but thanks a lot for being here Josh actually you're gonna help me ride into this project inside of the podcast on the episode and also riding this conversation into the all little details of this event so thanks a lot for joining us Josh no problem sorry I was late <laughs> no problems no problems I love actually this kind of episode that develops in this uh, in this way I wanted actually then to continue the conversation that we were having and then we're gonna talk about the project that I was actually mentioning before before but before that I would love actually to ask to Jean in general, Simon as well, and then I think that also you, Josh, you have something to say about that. How is the situation for cyclists, or I mean, people that want to become pro cyclists or just want to be involved in cycling as being, for example, a guide like you are, Jean, or mechanics, or just a really a pro cyclist? How is actually uh, the landscape for this kind of development for Rwandan people? Maybe a Jean can be the perfect person that can answer to this question. Yes, thank you. Here in Rwanda, we have many riders, even many young riders who want to be. Some like me, some like me, I want to be like others, step by step. But we get a problem of to get opportunity to achieve our dreams. Like about materials, like I mean, the clubs, they don't have enough materials for helping. Many, many riders. 
for all of us who want to improve for our, ourselves, even to get have support, but to get a problem of, I think, amenity like finance, like sponsors. That's what problem we get in order to prove, uh, to show our, what we can do in our, to our career. And I can also imagine, actually, that for you is not the easiest part of uh, of your job. Let's say, actually, also to to move around to different countries to take part to races, right? Especially, I mean, mainly for the problems that you explained. So there are not so much money that are running there around. It's difficult to find sponsors, material, and everything. And also another complication on top of it probably is that it's not that easy for you, for example, to come to Europe to do some races or stuff like this, right? Even to get opportunity to go to win there, like national teams, like five lighters. These guys they went to Cameroon, other ones they are from there. They care sometimes they care for only five lighters because of they don't have big budget for many lighters. That's that's why like I'm U23. I, I'm I'm like I stop cycling because of. They have to. They have to help someone. They don't have, I think, big budget to help many riders. I think that's why. As I see. So basically, actually, this is a story that Josh told me. Maybe you can go a bit more uh, deep about that, Josh. But actually, in the conversation that we got before of records, uh, Josh was telling me that actually, yes, you basically, John, you don't receive any more the supports of the, in general, the federation of any team because actually, basically, even if you are the um, national champion under 23, you are considered too old now to make the step into real professional cycling. Is it like this? Or maybe Josh can go a bit more deep into this uh, kind of topic. Well, um, from, from my point of view, obviously, um, I mean, I, I can only talk from a European perspective. Um, and I've grown up just, you know, there's, there's numerous races you can do every single weekend. You know, I could race cyclocross, you know, every weekend throughout the winter, an hour from my house. And I have done since I was, you know, since I was, you know, 14 years old. Um, But when you go to Rwanda, there's there's very limited amount of events. Um, and a lot of the, the the pinnacle of the sport in Rwanda, um, on a national level, is, is, is the Tour of Rwanda, um, which I think, you know, the, the other guys will, will agree is probably, it's probably a national highlight in a sporting sense. Um, and everyone knows about the Tour of Rwanda. Um, but the problem is to, to participate in that race especially now it's it's, it's, a, it's a uci 2.1 race that squeezes out a lot of the smaller teams um so a lot of the local teams um you know like, like the rwanda national team and there's a couple of other small clubs and teams which normally participate they lose out and i guess it kind of comes down the uh, the scale then and under that there's there's some national level races um but there's not really much organized by the federation and there's certainly no mountain bike races or gravel races um, and that's where the, you know the work that Simon's doing is coming in because it's giving a lot of the riders such as John and uh, a number of the other riders the opportunity to do other races um, but then the problem comes that, that there aren't really many gravel bikes or mountain bikes in Rwanda um, you know there, there's hardly any bike shops uh, there's plenty of bikes out there because like, bikes are a way of life It's a, it's a way of transporting, you know, people and, you know, goods from the mountains. But, um, 
but as a sport, it's not quite as developed. Um, so there's kind of the exposure and everyone understands the sport and sees the, the Tour of Rwanda, but the stepping stones from, you know, riding your bike, you know, as a, as a taxi rider or carrying bunches of bananas to being a pro rider, that, that there's just a lot of steps that are missing. And the truth is that a lot of the random riders are super, super strong because they're riding these big, heavy bikes all day, every day. They're effectively pro cyclists, but they're not pro racing cyclists. And it's very hard to, you know, to, to climb the ladder and have the opportunities. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And actually, another thing that I want to actually then cross something like bridge this conversation to Simon again. Uh, this was also one of the reasons why you wanted actually to build up this, uh, this system of races that you are actually organizing also to give to people in Rwanda another opportunity to raise something different that only road cycling yeah, I think so as I said the initial idea was just let's do a race and then the next step was okay we do a race we just we don't just want a bunch of Europeans and Americans coming to Rwanda we want Rwandans to race mm. the next step was okay great we have good cyclists now let's find some bikes um we got some bikes and then we realized but actually these are all road cyclists who never ride on uh, on gravel bikes on mountain bikes there's no competition uh, so the situation where we are at now is that at least we are with the rwanda beyond project supporting five riders to to really train on, on gravel and mountain bike and the next step we want to do is to on top of the international races we have to also create a smaller series of almost monthly gravel or less technical mountain bike races, which are really mass participation, which would be some sort of talent detection, but also just giving opportunity to race uh, and to enjoy and to, to, to be in a different part of the country every month to just discover as well. So it's all kind of a natural process. The, the initial idea was just, let's start a race. <laughs> then, yeah, one thing led to another. Perfect. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. And actually, let's talk about that. You actually mentioned, I will let you actually take uh, now the mic and talk about that, but you actually mentioned it slightly. The Rwanda Beyond. What is it? In what does it consist? And what is the plan? And actually, what's the support that yeah Hunt is doing there? Yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll, let, uh, I'll let Josh talk about the Hunt part. But uh, from our part, Rwanda Beyond, it really was started out of this realization that we have these races now and we want Rwandans to do well in these races and to do well in similar races all over the world. And... But then more than just a team, and that's the beyond part in the team name, is also, and this comes back in what you asked first and what, what Jean and other writers uh, also saw that in Rwanda, let's say when a rider is 23 and didn't make it international, often their coach would tell them, I'm sorry, um, we have a limited budget. We prefer to, to now fund the next 18-year-old and maybe he can make it uh, international. And when people are 23, their, their life as a cyclist is over. And so what we are also focusing on is, is the life beyond being a cyclist. For uh, Jean, he said already he's a tour guide as well, another rider. Um, 
innocent. He's a he's a cycling coach. Fazil, he's an artist and a painter. He has his own art gallery now via Teaching University. So that's really the beyond part. We're not just trying to create a traditional cycling team, but we're first of all exploring the country on a bicycle trying to really prove ourselves on the international level as well, but meanwhile also work on the life next to a bicycle. Hunt is, 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 came in. I mean, Josh was here in the first ever edition of the Race Run Rwanda, so he was here from the first event. And uh, when we decided to, to start this team, I reached out to him, and he was very happy to help True Hunt in, in, in two ways. It's first of all, gear and uh, so the, the hunt wheels that we are very happy to use. And second of all, now helping us with this idea of not staying in Rwanda, but also going to races uh, in other parts of the world. So they're helping us with the, the, the UK part of our, of our program, actually. Yeah, that's great. Tell us more about that than Josh. Tell us a bit more on uh, how happened that actually you arrived in Rwanda to make one of Simon's race. What did you find there? And uh, the third thing that I want to ask you is that how then after that all the project of the Rwanda Beyond took place and what's your perspective into this project? Um, well, well, I ended up in Rwanda in 2019, actually, um, just before the lockdown. Um, so I met Simon the year previous. Um, actually, it was 2020 I first was in Rwanda. I met Simon in 2019 in Amman doing another race and he mentioned he had this race coming up. Um, and I didn't think too much of it. And then the more I looked into it, the more it seemed like a really good idea to try and basically discover a new country. Um, so I'd not been to, to kind of Africa properly. properly. I've, I've been to Morocco, but never really kind of Eastern Africa. Um, so it seemed like a great opportunity. And then I just got exposed to this, you know, amazing culture and all these really great people. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was just a brilliant experience. Um, and then obviously lockdown happened and travel was impossible. Um, but I could see that, that, you know, I could do something to, to help these guys. Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of, I work for Hunt as well as being supported. Um, so I, I look after all the, the Hunt Beyond riders who are the, you know, the bike packers and people doing, you know, different kind of disciplines which don't fall inside the norm. Um, and I just saw that, that there was something that, you know, that, that could really be beneficial. I mean, you could sponsor some European riders with a set of wheels and it doesn't really make a difference. Mm-hmm. Or you can help out the guys in Rwanda and, it, it, you know, it's really going to make a, a big difference to them because, you know, they, they can't just go and buy an alternative wheel set. Um, and, and one really great thing about Hunt is they've, they've got quite a good diversity program. Um, so there's, that, there's funding available for projects, um, you know, which help kind of diversity in cycling. Uh, so I was able to secure some some of that funding to help bring some of the Rwanda Beyond riders across to Europe. Um, so yeah, so they're, they're going to be coming over in September. Um, I think three three riders are coming over. Um, not not sure exactly who yet. Uh, I'll leave that up to Simon to decide. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I mean I'm looking forward to you know I've I've seen the the Rwandans you know home country and they've been very welcoming and showed me around and it's been excellent so i'm looking forward to to showing them the uk and you know showing them where i live and and what i do and 
you know, hopefully if it gives them the opportunity to, to showcase themselves in front of some different people or at least experience riding in different countries, it's going to, you know, help them in the long term. It sounds really, really good. And I actually really like the thing that you were saying, because actually it's split really in two or three layers there. I think two. Let's see if I can move into two. So the first layer that you said is actually that, um, of course, you are taking care anyways of the um, of some of the tasks, talking about hunt, hunt beyond. So some of the riders, you're supporting them. And you said something really cool. I mean, something like giving an extra to them an extra pair of wheels, of course, is good because anyways, you're supporting the community of ultra cycling and gravel cycling, and that's super good. But on the other side, it doesn't really make the difference. On the other side, by giving some support to the riders in Rwanda that actually we heard for the clear voice of Jean saying that it's really difficult to find materials, to find components, to find bicycles, to find foundings. Doing it for Rwandan cyclists is way uh, more, let's say, important and visible, and that's super great. And the second layer that I want to stress a bit is actually bringing the Rwandan cyclists or in general the African cyclists into Europe to let them experience something that they are not exposed, they cannot really experience. And I'm not talk only talking about the, um, uh, the different geography and the different rides and the different events that are happening in Europe, but also the different typologies of riders. Because of course, I think that in Rwanda you can see a lot, especially on Tour de Rwanda, a lot of people that are coming there, pro cyclists, to ride on the road and being professionals. But in Europe, there is a completely different landscape that is really starting now, it's really springing now, that are actually these ultra-endurance racers or something like uh, people that are riding the bikes and making, they're making and maybe they're making out their living, but just in not uh, professional events or stuff that... Fortunately, they are not professional, but just a different way of cycling that actually probably the Rwandan cyclists can be uh, way more talented at, at the normal um, cycling, I mean, at the normal pro cycling on the road that is actually influenced by a lot of uh, different layers. And that's the thing that probably uh, people from uh, Africa need to experience more. So something like being exposed to a different way of, and different ways uh, of our cycling and different typologies of cycling like we have it here in Europe. What do you think about that? I, I think it's exactly right. I mean, a, a really clear example is um, when I was in Rwanda in, uh, in February, was it March? I can't remember now. Um, I raced the Rwanda Epic mountain bike race um, in a pair with, with Jean. Um, and the day before the race was the first time Jean had pretty much ridden his mountain bike. His, he borrowed Simon's mountain bike as it happens. And uh, do you remember doing the, the prologue, Jean, and you, you were really struggling with the descents? And, yeah, um, I remember. <laughs> so, so we rode together slowly, and, you know, I'm, I'm not as fast as, as Jean, like climbing. Um, but we rode slowly together, and, you know, Jean followed my line, and we, we practiced the race. And then... The transformation in the in the space of an hour was incredible because then John put about two minutes into me in the prologue. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it, you know it's it's that kind of experience that the Rwandans don't necessarily have because well for a start I mean John's a really good mountain biker but he just doesn't have a mountain bike to ride all the time mm. so therefore his skills aren't going to be as good as for example me where I have you know I can go mountain biking all the time and I have a mountain bike. Um, so it's little things like that which really make the difference, um, you know, both opportunities and equipment there. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, that you know, I can, I can give some experience and, you know, by going to do these races. Um, but also, 
when the, the Rwandans, you know, go to, you know, come to, to Europe or do the migration gravel race in Kenya or the evolution gravel race in Tanzania, you know, all these, these different people are going to, it's a big learning process because there's all these different things. And sometimes you can't really sit and, you know, read a book and learn how to, to race a bike. It's, it's just being there and, and soaking it up. Um, so, so it's why it's, it's quite an important project. Um, you know, it's, it's similar to what the team Armani guys are doing over in Kenya and the club Masaka guys over in uh, Uganda. Um, and it's, it's just so worthwhile. No, it's, it's super great. I want to talk exactly about that for one second. And uh, you mentioned it, right? The migration gravel race. Uh, and then we talked about the evolution gravel race. And then we're talking about also the team Amani. Is there any collaboration there in place as well, Simon? Because I remember I talked with uh, Michael of all these projects there. I'm not going to name them again. Um, already a couple of times, one for an article that they wrote and for two episodes of the podcast. And something that he was telling me uh, is, I don't want actually only to organize something where I bring here people, I mean here in Africa, people to ride the bike and use these kind of races as a safari, a safari. But I want really to expose the local riders to the real pro cyclists and a different way of riding the bike so that actually they can learn from it. And another thing that actually he told me on that, I really want to give the opportunity to the, all the riders of the African riders to experience this thing in their own place. Because otherwise, if you take somebody an African rider, or even, I mean, everybody in the world, but you take the rider, you bring him uh, or her uh, into Europe and let them experience cycling away from home, away from their terrain, away from their family and friends and their network and community. And basically, you are bringing them there with, okay, the possibility of learning how to ride a bike in a different way and learning how uh, the pro cycling works and everything. But there's, first of all, just a few people that you can bring there. And on the other side, you're not giving them the same possibilities to a European. Is that more or less what we are trying to build together what, um, for your races and also for uh, the Rwanda Beyond that you are building together people? And there is any collaboration also with other projects like this one in Africa? Um, yeah, I mean, Michael and I, we, we, we talk regularly. We even share, like things like uh, GPS trackers and uh, we also invite each other to each other's races because we really have the same goal, the same ideas and I mean it's quite obvious when you are here the, what the, the problems and the bottlenecks are so we're really fighting the same battle. Uh, same with the, the Masaka Cycling Club and I think Masaka and we, we are more local whereas Amani really tries to be an international uh, overreaching. They have two or three Rwandan riders they are supporting this year as well, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, so um, so now we are going uh, to, to the migration race, the evolution race. Just uh, last month, uh, Sule was uh, riding the Rwandan Epic. Joffrey was riding the race around Rwanda. They both did very well, by the way. Uh, so it's really... Is really working together, and uh, Masaka is in Uganda, but they're actually very close to here. So I'm hoping to soon do uh, something more like a training camp together because it's on a, a cyclable distance from here. So we can do some some uh, some bikepacking training camp or something. So yeah, we, we really we learn from each other, and uh, we have the same goals and uh, and problems as well. 
Ah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, let's talk about quickly about then the perspective. So we talked already on what is going to be the Rwanda beyond, but how do you see the evolution on that? So what's the next future about this project? We know already that Hunt is supporting with uh, um, some parts and materials, I mean, classic things, plus uh, there's going to be actually also thanks to the support as well to the programs of Rwanda, of having some people in UK to ride the bike there as well for a bit of time. But this is the first step, I think. Do you have any perspective in mind or any plan for the future about that? As I think for us, this year is really more of a pilot year and also proving the world what, what we are worth and also potential sponsors. We already have some, some really good support from Hunt, but also from other brands, um, which is really necessary. But for me, and that's the beyond part, again, there's really two things. There is the, say, the sport side of things and really the racing uh, but also the bikepacking, the exploration, really riding bicycles. And then there's everything next to that. And that's just as important for us. Um, so that is the, the professional development programs we're also setting up with all the riders. And there's two ways we want to expand in the future. So now there's five riders we are supporting. Through the local race series, we want to get more people on gravel, mountain bike races, and really, as Jean was explaining, at this moment, the top the, of the pyramid is really narrow. There's, say, five riders that the national team can support to go racing in Cameroon because there's only focus on road cycling. By bringing mountain bike, by bringing gravel bike racing, by bringing bikepacking, we want to just triple, quadruple this number of opportunities. And then also my goal, really, my hope, say, is also proving um, the, how to say, the more conservative uh, people who are now in the cycling world in Rwanda, uh, that cycling doesn't need to mean stopping, dropping out of school when you're 18 or even worse, when you're 16 and just ride uh, 10 hours a day, six days a week. And that is really a place of education and school and the importance of that also in cycling because that's really a problem in Rwanda cycling culture at the moment. So when I would be really happy is when people young cyclists stop dropping out of school because they want to become a cyclist. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, actually, about this topic pretty quickly, I was sitting on the table together with Sule. It was here in Switzerland. September 2021. Uh, Sulekan Kanjanji. Ah, I can do it. Uh, yeah. From the Amani team. That my my all the time. My spelling of names is getting even worse. Probably is the age. Um, apart from that, so I was sitting on the table. And we were talking exactly about the same kind of thing that happened in Kenya for runners. Now we all know, right? Kenya and marathons is kind of synonyms now. All the most famous and most successful uh, runners are coming from Kenya. And he was telling me exactly the same. Now there are schools or projects or whatever of big corporates in Kenya that they are really picking up super strong runners from schools and uh, basically telling them to continue on the career of running. And they actually are more or less... Um, let's say not forced, but actually they dedicate all their day more than in school in running. And if they cannot really make this happen properly, so they cannot become pro, 
they are basically at 19 years old, 20 years old, super good runners because, I mean, the, also there, the competition is super high. They're really good runners, but not good enough to become pro. And this means that you're basically uh, taking a bunch of young people and basically, I don't want to use super uh, aggressive words there, but basically you gave them a dream and you took it away in a matter of three or four years. And they actually, they have to reinvent themselves in order to make this happen. And uh, that's actually the risk of giving people the dream of uh, success into sport without giving them the alternative of a good basic. You talked about education, but also I think that we were talking before, it's super important. I mean, uh, bicycle is not only uh, being a pro. It can be being a guide, it can be being a mechanic, it can be uh, be a trainer, it can be a lot of things. And probably that's also the kind of mindset that all together we need to think about, especially when we are talking about developing country in terms of sport. What do you think? Yeah, fully agree. I mean, it's uh, it's actually a fear of, of mine that uh, a young kid would see us on the side of the road and say, I want to become a cyclist drops out of school or, or ignores school and at the end actually I would have made someone's life worse instead of better because if we don't include this from the very beginning and also change really the culture the idea of riding is more important than school whereas there's been plenty of proof of uh, even Rwandan riders being signed for with a European team and then going to Europe and their coach realizing that these guys are not speaking English, they don't understand training programs. And of course, in Rwanda, there's not, there's not a single power meter. So if, you, if the coach just sends them a, a list of this is the interval at this power, their, their career is already over just, just by it started. So this education is as important as as the, the training itself on the bike yes yes yeah it uh, it makes really a lot of sense and it's super cool that actually you're trying to pursue this kind of uh, moving forward on the cycling on the cycling life another thing that i want to slightly touch base on and still talking about um i mean the rwanda beyond project and everything related to that do you think that actually through this project you are gonna also we talked about that before of records in 2025 the uci world championship is gonna be in rwanda right do you think that you can actually also influence this part i mean the three of you and what's actually the thing that you think you can really move forward in this direction what's the the side that you can really influence so for me what i want to and it's something which is already happening in Rwanda, but cycling used to be really an all or nothing thing in, in the country. Well, there is the whole base of people using bicycles for transport, transporting, as Joe said, people and, and, and goods. But then there was only cycling for trying to become a professional rider or nothing. So the whole idea of cycling for fun of cycling as an amateur sport is really new and is really something that is just developing. So I hope that also an event like Tour de Rwanda already, but especially the World Championship, which is coming, can inspire people to ride bikes for fun and also maybe change the idea, which is at the moment really still present in Rwanda, that riding a bike for transport is for when you're poor and when you make some money you buy a car and you you forget about the bicycle so also the idea of people going to work 
on a bicycle, it's something that doesn't exist uh, in, in Rwanda at the moment. So if just the, the, the World Championship can just inspire people to ride bikes, then it would be a big success. Yeah, that's great. And what's your perspective on that as well, Jean? You think that actually, uh, thanks also to the support that you're getting for the Rwanda Beyond and actually to your work, because yeah, anyways, you are still riding the bike quite a lot. You were telling me that uh, you are basically uh, still pretty pro in your training and everything. You are spending some of your time as well in the National uh, Cycling Center where you are right now. How do you think you can actually also influence the, the kind of the movement, the cycling movement? with the perspective of 2025 UCI World Championship. Thank you. Yeah, as, as I hear about it, it's a, it's a big thing going to come in Rwanda. And I will be in a Rwanda Beyond as well. I will try to perform. And still thanks for, for Beyond for big supporting. And they make me to focus on two things, just biking and my career for tour guide. And uh, it will be very big, important, like me as a guide. For sure, many ones that don't know how is Rwanda, the only hill, the world champion will be in Rwanda 2025. Everyone will just want to know before the race is coming. They will become, as a tourist, as a tour guide, they will get an opportunity to get some money for them. Will be big things, even for other companies, for all London, we'll get some opportunity to get something because of that champion will be in 2025. No, that's uh, that's super great. That's really super great. Uh, I have still another couple of questions for you people. And uh, before going into the real plan and project of this 2022 Rwandan uh, Rwanda Beyond, as we talked, I want to ask actually another question to Josh. Um, into the um, riders, people, amazing human being that you are supporting, there is as well, uh, it's called his name, as usual, my name, uh, memory is really bad, Phil Newmark. And is another person that actually is part of the team of the uh, of the, of the Beyond uh, team, Ant Beyond team. And actually, he was used to be a pro cyclist. He's super young. I think he's 20 years old. He was used to be... Um, a pro cyclist we met also here in switzerland together with the amani team and then this year he decided to go fully in with the bike packing adventuring world and one of his last experience were was as well going in uh, in rwanda right for for the race and also for bike packing and everything is this another thing that actually you are trying to to support and to promote as well sending uh, european people european cyclists also talented not only in cycling but also in photography and videography like Finney is uh, to show people how cool is first of all to ride in Rwanda and second place also how cool is the environment for cyclists in Rwanda uh, it's also another part I mean of the mission of Hunt to to develop this part of cycling isn't it yeah well the um the, the, the sort of beyond riders generally are the kind of people who would probably like to do that kind of thing, such as Finley. You know, he, he was over at the, um, at the migration gravel last year and he's, he's going to, um, he's been to Tanzania as well to help with uh, the evolution gravel. And obviously he's been to Rwanda. So I think the, um, the kind of, uh, the, pe the people we like to support are the, the kind of people who like to do something a bit different anyway, not just the same, you know, run of the mill kind of events that everyone else does. Um, 
But I, I think I think it, when once you visit Rwanda um, and you know many of the other East East African countries, you know I've I've met met a lot of the guys from Team Amani like Sule. He actually stayed at mine the other week when he was racing in the UK, and uh, Joffrey. Um, you realise what what great people are they are and and we're all just cyclists. You know, it doesn't matter kind of where you live or what you look like or what bike you've got. Once you kind of meet these people, um, it's just amazing. It's, you know, it's, it's the bikepacking community and the cycling community. And it's the same all over the world. You might be in a slightly different environment, um, you know, but, but like racing the Rwanda Epic was, was so good because that gave such an opportunity to get to know all the, the Rwandans and you're just welcomed into, you know, you're just part of the, part of the crew and it's, it's brilliant. I think the benefits of, for example, the, the World Road Race Championships um, coming to Kigali is that Rwanda's going to get international recognition mm-hmm. and a lot of people are, end up going there and they wouldn't have necessarily chosen Rwanda, you know, before because I think sometimes people kind of um, you look at the wrong things about countries, you know, obviously Rwanda's got a bit of a checkered past and I think a lot of people probably just think it's a terrible place to be but it's so far from the truth and sometimes until you actually get there and experience it and meet the people you never really fully understand so I, i'd kind of encourage anyone to um you know to take take advantage of you know any opportunity to go and visit any of these east african countries um but particularly rwanda um and the events that you know simon puts on are a, they're a great excuse to go um and you know you'll, you'll meet, meet like john and the other rwanda beyond riders and um I mean, Jean is very happy to talk to anyone. <laughs> Aren't you, Jean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you'll be welcomed. That's perfect. No, that's super lovely Thanks to so hear. Much. And Yeah. Sorry, John, you were saying something? Very happy. <laughs> very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's really something, something great. I really uh, listening to the spirit of you people, something that you really want everybody to come over and discover the country and enjoy the uh yeah the how special it is to ride the bike there but in general how special is the country that actually yeah you are part of and uh, that's great i say there's, there's a lot of energy in rwanda okay there's there's a the guys were like singing and dancing before every single stage of the epic so the, the rwandans do love a party don't don't you john yeah <laughs> They love a party yeah. and they love a banana beer. <laughs> Tell me more. What's that? What's the banana beer? Banana beer yeah. is well. I'll let, I'll let John explain. He, yes. he can probably say better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For one, the banana beer they make it in a banana. It's a it's a local beer from Rwanda. When you say banana beer, every everybody can know what you're asking for. It's a beer they make it in a in a banana and they mix it with a sorghum. Yeah, and then with small sugar, then they make very strong beer. 14%. 14 what? Is a good anymore, bottle of wine. I, I think, Josh, 14 is the, is the say, the, the, the legal one, but the homebrew uh, banana beer is easily vodka level of alcohol. Ooh. <laughs> I think that I need to add these kind of drinks to the fancy drinks that they drank around the world by following bicycle races. For now, the fanciest one is the kumus, that is basically the beverage that you get in the Central Asia nomadic country, that is basically fermented horse milk. 
but I think that I would need a sip as well of banana beers pretty soon. Well, that's, that's another excuse to come here. I love it. I love it. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, I want to ask you about the perspective then of this year uh, for the Rwanda Beyond. But first, instead of going there into this part, I don't know if Josh, you have any question on any kind of aspect that you want to, uh, let's say, go deep into that or you want to dig into stuff or you want to just ask. Um, not really. I mean, um, it'd be good to, I think Jean's heading over to Belgium soon. So it might be quite interesting to, you know, to, to hear how, how he's kind of planning for that and how you're feeling about that. Yeah. I'm feeling much better. I'm feeling much, much better. And, uh, and it's another good opportunity to join the big list like that one. I just watch it on uh, YouTube to see how, how it is. I look at it strong with uh, many providers. Yeah. Another so, good opportunity and new experience. So, so this is the, um, just to put it in context, this is the Belgian mountain bike classic, which is a four-day stage race in the Ardennes. Um, so it's uh, a lot of, well, some pro-Belgian racers take part. So a lot of the, the cyclocross riders race it in the off-season. So it's, it's been won in the past by Mathieu van der Poel. Um, but there's, there's a big kind of uh, amateur um, oh. there's obviously the pro category and there's a big amateur kind of following as well. So, um, so that's, I think that's the first race. Well, the next race on the, um, on the Rwanda beyond calendar for the, for the, for the riders, um, which is great. Cause I, I was going to do it anyway. Okay. So I get to get to meet up with Jean again and maybe, maybe share a Belgian beer. <coughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> after, after stage and uh, when we want. Okay. Okay. Well, I know a lot of mountain bikers that usually drink beer also before, but probably they are just the enduro riders and uh, the leisure riders. Before a race, drinking a Belgian beer probably is not super recommended, I would say. <laughs> You've not met the Rwandans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, okay. They're all so fast, and uh, Amstel was sponsoring the um, the Echo, and by the time I finished every day, they'd, they'd already finished first and drunk all the beer. <laughs> okay so yeah it's better than to be fast otherwise you don't have even a drink after the race and that's not good <laughs> exactly yeah yeah how is the name of the race then that you that we just mentioned in belgium just to uh, to let everybody there know it's the the belgian mountain bike classic oh no sorry the belgian mountain bike challenge the major mountain bike yes. challenge perfect and so you're gonna be there lined up together with john uh, it's actually is a stage mountain bike race but is it uh, ridden in pairs or it's just a solo ride, a solo no, race. No, this is, a, this, is, this is a solo event. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I don't, I don't have to race with Jean and get my, my head kicked in on every single climb, like in Rwanda, which would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Just, yeah. just, just sent me the, the link of it, so I'm gonna put it down in the description below, and that's amazing. Um, no, yeah, so perfect. So this is going to be the first thing that is going to happen. What's next as well? So we talked about uh, the Belgian race then, and then what is going to happen again? So you, we said that some Rwandan riders are going to come over to Europe. Are they going to also take part? Actually, are you also going to take part altogether to some races or to some bikepacking event or something like this? So maybe first, there's an, in June, there's the call it the East African gravel uh, month. So apart from the, the gorilla gravel here in Rwanda, we go to the migration and the evolution afterwards. 
Mm-hmm. So migration is uh, is really lining up a very very strong field of uh, gravel pro riders this year. So it's going to be also really opportunity. Some of the riders already were there last year, so they they learned a lot. That was I think the first exposure to proper gravel racing for a lot of uh, Rwandan riders. And well, migration gravel racing is. I was riding myself, and it's not the smoothest gravel in the world. It's uh, I was uh, I was crying for my mountain bike a lot of times. <laughs> okay, so you were one of those taking part to the migration gravel race with a. It was a full suspended mountain bike or a front? No, no, no. It's a gravel race, so we're gonna ride gravel, but we're gonna put on. Uh, we're gonna put on bigger tires this year. Okay, okay, bigger than last year. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, yeah, 50 mil uh, tires this year. <laughs> makes sense, makes sense. And, uh, and I think all the guys are starting, yeah, everyone is starting core and uh, core and strength training because, well, Rwanda is a country of road cyclists. So mm-hmm. tiny climbing kind of uh, riders. Uh, it's a very different uh, experience to ride on, uh, on, on rocky gravel roads. Of course. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so talking about the program, indeed, after that uh, is, uh, is the races that Hunt invites us for, which is at least uh, the further east uh, bikepacking race. Mm-hmm. And uh, the King's Cup, which is more of a, a proper gravel race. Unfortunately, uh, a very flat one. So it's going to be an interesting experience uh, because, uh, as Josh said, uh, not, there's no single flat road in Rwanda. Um, <laughs> Uh, this is not an exaggeration. Josh can confirm this. Yeah, confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> you said the country of one thousand hills, right? Yeah, that's that's what the, uh, the the name is or the nickname of the country is, and uh, there's a very good reason for it. Okay, okay, okay. I was going to say, unfortunately, um, obviously, uh, Hunter are helping the randoms come over, but I've managed to pick the two flattest races I possibly could. So <laughs> they'll hate me for that eventually, but. Uh, it's, uh, hopefully it should be a good experience for them. Yeah, but because of that, we're hoping actually to send uh, some people also to the Two Volcanoes uh, race uh, just after that, um, depending on budget. Uh, but the idea is to at least get uh, two of the riders to start uh, the Two Volcanoes sprint, um, which is not a flat race at all. So it's much more suited to the, to the strength of our team. And I can say that actually the two volcano sprint is usually also on the road, right? There are some sections maybe on the gravel, but it's really road. So probably there, Rwandan cyclists can really shine. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. It's Because um, also race around Rwanda, we're finding some of the more uh, tough gravel in the country. So mm-hmm. this is going to be a proper smooth uh, road race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people, please, whenever you are passing by there, yeah, actually the two volcano sprints, I don't know how it's going to work this year. Last year started from Sicily, the year before started from Naples, but usually you cross also Calabria, that is actually the region where I come from. Please, 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 please send a lot of love to that country because it needs it. <laughs> it's an amazing place. You're going to see it is an amazing place. Oh, great. And uh, But actually a question that I have from uh, my side, people, how do you choose the riders that are going to come over for the project of this year? They're going to come over to Europe and they're going to participate to all the races that you named? So the first race is coming up is uh, the Gorilla and um, Gorilla Gravel, Migration Gravel, Evolution Gravel. Um, we're really going with all of the team. And okay. now since most riders 
Actually, one of our riders, Fazil, comes from a, a triathlon and a running background. Uh, then the other four come from a road cycling background. So we're actually still figuring out uh, our strengths and our specialities. Jean is uh, the one, also thanks to his touring, the most uh, experienced in mountain biking. Um, so first, we were really going with a full team to the races. And after that, we will decide how to, say, specialize and, and which races we're going. As I said, this year is a pilot year. I mm -hmm. think because on top of those ones, we're also having the Rhino run in, uh, in South Africa, Namibia, uh, and then uh, Rwandan Epic again, because uh, we're going back to our November slots. So 1st of November is the next Rwandan Epic race. So for being a, a, a pilot a year with a very limited budget, I think we managed to already have a very nice uh, program. But hopefully next year we can more pick races not because we have the opportunity to go, but we, because these are the exact races we want to go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after actually being showing around, I mean, all over the world, the strength of the riders, probably you're going to also be invited. And uh, this is going to be great because that's the thing, right? Showing to everybody how strong can be your riders. And uh, yes, looking for some exposure about that, right? I think everything's got to start somewhere. And, um, you know, the the riders, you know, like riders like Jean, they're very very hungry to prove themselves because you know Jean's been under twenty three national champion and then suddenly yeah. he's got he's, he's got nothing. In actual fact, you're still the under twenty three national champion, aren't you? Yeah. So uh, even though he's twenty six now, <laughs> oh, you covered that, did you? <laughs> yeah. I think that's it's quite funny. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, they're just very hungry because they they still want to prove themselves. And you know, I'm I've just started riding full time this year after 20 years of trying, and now I'm 34. So <laughs> there's there's plenty of time left for these guys, but they just need the opportunities and the chances to to prove themselves. And you know, hopefully the exposure they get this year, or maybe even anyone listening to this podcast, you know, that they always need equipment and bikes and hires and you know spares um so yeah if anyone's listening and they they think um you know they might want to help then i'm sure you know they'd, they'd be very very happy yeah sure sure yeah perfect uh, last thing that i want to ask you people um then and then we are going to actually move to the goodbyes part but where we can follow the journey then i mean is there any place there online, social media open or apart from this podcast? I hope that everybody here enjoyed the talk that we had and is looking forward like I am uh, for the perspective of the Rwanda Beyond. But is there any place where we can follow the journey of the Rwanda Beyond? Yeah, definitely go to our Rwanda Beyond Instagram. That's the main place where we, uh, where we give updates. It's still, uh, we only started recently, so it's still a bit empty. And so we're definitely going to populate it also on our website. Uh, where you can find at least some background, not just of Jean, but also the other four riders, uh, and uh, and really showing where they come from. And to continue what, what uh, Josh was saying, I think all of the Rwanda Beyond riders, uh, they have one thing in common: is that at a certain point in their dream of becoming a, a cyclist, they they were told for one reason or another uh, that okay, they're not going to become a big international road cyclist, so there's no more future for them in cycling. So this is really the thing that we want to 
this proof and uh, it's not because you can't join a, a pro-continental European road team that there's no more future in cycling and there's this kind of pathway to, to success and to opportunities that we want to create as well. That's great. That's great. I'm going to actually close the round here asking to the three of you the same question. What are you looking forward to for this 2022? And I mean, in general, for this 2022 of the Rwanda Beyond project. I would start from, uh, I would say I will keep John at the end. I will start with Simon. Um, I'm just looking forward to, to traveling the world and, and, uh, and really exploring for me, this is really an exploration part of our journey and it's most often the, the most fun part, as, as, as Josh said, uh, to go to, to cold and flat uh, England and places like that. Uh, it's going to be really interesting and it's going to be fun. <laughs> That's perfect. What about you, Josh? What are you looking forward for this project? I'm really looking forward to, to bringing you know, the Rwandans over to the UK and not necessarily um, the racing, but the whole experience. I really want to make sure that, you know, they, they, they have a good kind of experience in England, get to see plenty of the country um, and get to just, you know, make it more than just about bike racing because, you know, bike racing isn't that important in the grand scheme of things. But if they can have a great experience, um, you know, you never know where it might lead or what it might do for them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. I don't know if I can say something that you told me once of records, but I don't want to spoil the... I'm going to do it anyways. You told me as soon as they will land in UK, I'm going to bring them directly to the pub. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know what they like. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> uh, what about you, Jan? What are you looking forward for this year with the Rwanda Beyond? For big dreams, for improving the team, even myself, even to travel the world. Even big thanks for giving me this opportunity. I never jump after Africa. When I go to Belgium, with my first time to go up over Africa. And this is another good opportunity and new experience. Still, thank you for, thanks for Tim Beyond. Thank you for George for Hunt Wheels. And uh, for big many big dreams you have to us. That's what I'm looking for. To improve my team and myself. Wow. I can tell you that actually, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not completely part of it, but actually I tell you that listening to these words is already more than rewarding for the great project that you're putting together, people. So it's great. I think you're doing great things. Cool. Um, I don't know, actually, if you want to add anything, people, the microphone is open and it's all for you. How about you, Stefano? What's your, uh, what's your, uh, what are you looking forward to in 22? Uh, in 2022, people. Ah, that's amazing. So I can tell you that last year was a, a year full of events. Uh, I actually um, became father. And uh, this was actually, it happened at the end of 2021, but it's developing 2022. So for sure, something that I'm looking forward to is despite the fact that I'm not walk, uh, I'm not riding as much as I wanted this year, and, but it's okay. Uh, so that's 
something, but for sure I'm looking forward to see the, the perspective and seeing how my kid is going to grow in this year. But um, I mean, I really, really looking forward to continue to, to continue this podcast that for me, it's basically a great passion and continue inspiring people through it. And that is giving me a lot of uh, fulfilling. I mean, my heart is full all the time that I'm talking with people like you. And actually, if I can just inspire out of this uh, podcast five new people every year to take part to this event or to support a project like yours or just meeting people that are gonna in minimal part but also in maximum part change my life that's what i'm looking forward of every year so changing the perspective and see how things are developing and inspire new people to talk about that with cycling let's say not only because of cycling, but with cycling. That's what I'm looking forward to. And of course, I'm looking forward also to do a couple of passes that I would love to do here around and maybe to meet you all in person, people. That's great. Are you still planning to come over for the further east as well? Absolutely, Stefan? absolutely planning. And uh, because this is going to happen as well in a period that is going to be pretty busy of my life, but for sure it's in the schedule and just making uh, my schedule ready to, to join you there in the UK for being part of the journey and actually document the journey into the media part. So it's for sure there. I'm going to give you people the last word probably pretty soon. I hope that you want actually somebody with a microphone all the time with you. Huh? I don't know if you liked it. <laughs> there's no option <laughs> <laughs> absolutely when you have me actually that's the same thing that actually was uh, uh, with the people that I followed during the um, Silk Road Monterey's and the Atlas Monterey's as well as when uh, actually <laughs> Nelson himself uh, he says are you going to Atlas as well no I'm not, I don't know I don't know I don't think I'm going to do it this year because it's going to be really a period full of stuff when is going to happen by the way the Atlas this year in October right 1st of October, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think basically I'm going to drop the Rwandan guys off at the airport and then get on the next plane to, to Morocco. <laughs> it makes sense. You're going to go all together to the airport. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be running them around here. So I think um, the King's Cup gravel is the weekend before Atlas Mountain Race. So I'm going to go straight to Morocco once once they've gone. So basically, you're arriving, you will arrive in Morocco really well trained. You're going to go there with proper performance in your legs. I'm going to be very tired, probably after partying with the Rwandans. <laughs> I can tell you that also in Morocco, you're going to find a lot of cool party people, I can tell you. And then, then two weeks later, I'm going to the Rhino Run, so I'll see them all again. <laughs> Oof, that's amazing, man. Your schedule there is even more packed than mine. I know, it's stupid. I need to stop saying yes to things. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, maybe something that we can say. I think that at a certain point, Josh, we're going to organize a talk um, about you in this podcast. But you told me that there's going to be also the tour divide for you this year, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I fly on the 1st of June. <laughs> you see, it's really packed. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm quite busy. Yeah. July, is scheduled, July is scheduled to do nothing. And then my life just goes mental for a few months. But I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> that's perfect that's perfect no but they are talking about actually the, the opportunity that you you asked me and you gave me to to join you people in the uk for the journey of the rwandans in europe for sure it's something that is really well written in my notebook and probably it's going to happen so i will keep you posted people out there no, i'm looking forward cool 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 well people what else thanks a lot for being on this podcast today and uh, it was really a great chat a lot of inspiring things uh, thanks for having us all. Yeah, thank you. I think before we started, I told you the main thing you want now is to get the word out and uh, just to 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 let people know that we exist. And that's uh, so. This this kind of things is really important for us. Yeah, 
even if Stefano says usually names and uh, uh, words and stuff in a really bad way because he forgets how people are called and stuff. But I be sure that all the information that you gave people are going to be written in the show notes down below. Yeah, we'll, we'll, check, we we'll, we'll check your spellings. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, people. Thank you, people. Way better in my spellings word uh, by talking than writing. <laughs> Perfect. Um, thank you so much. Thank you, John. I would just want to say and that. Stefan, I wish you to come. I wish you to come in Rwanda. I will take care. Thank you. Thank you, people. Well, people, thanks a lot. Thanks, John. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Josh. We are gonna talk pretty, pretty, pretty soon. And for now, enjoy your riding around. Hopefully, for this weekend. Thanks very much. Ciao, people. Bye. bye, bye. Everybody there, ready to support the Rwandan beyond. Does it make sense as a chanting? I don't know. But everybody there, you have to be ready to support the Rwanda Beyond because it's a great project and you can find them all over the internet. Anyways, down in the description below, there are all the links that you need to follow. And people in the industry, if you're listening to this podcast and this is your fav second favorite cycling independent media, it's time to give to these people some support because they need to know how they need to have the opportunity. They don't need to know anything. They need to have the opportunity of riding more bikes and really push the boundaries of cycling in Rwanda to a better place. And now I can't wait to see the World Championship, the UCI World Championship, Road World Championship in Rwanda in a couple of years. Wow, it's gonna be amazing. And as you listened as well, there is a possibility, probably there is a bit more than a possibility, that I am gonna join this riders in UK for their first adventure in a couple of super nice races and the further is one of those the further I mean Camille hi Camille you're doing good I think you're great really I really appreciate you as a human person as a photographer and as a raid director and apart from that I think it's time to tie up this episode thanks a lot for listening thanks a lot to Komoot for supporting this episode as usual you are just great and awesome people and everybody there remember that you can unlock your extra region by going on komoot.com g and then write the code broom into the code kind of section that's a great thing that you can do and another thing is just that komoot is not just unlocking you with the product that they have but also they are unlocking your experience with all the inspiration that is out there please give a follow to these amazing people on the social media you can also give a follow to me in this social media thing right if you go to calamaro cc or broom wagon podcast i mean you have to go to instagram first you can do it. If you want to give me another support down, you will find the coffee link where you can drop me a couple of coin and leave this podcast a bit more independent than before. You can also support me by uh, commenting, no, subscribing, rating this podcast. I mean, it's super important for me, but you can also support the causes that I support down there by Kigis with my COVID jar, but also my COVID jar can be yours. There are some coins arriving from you people there and you are great, really, 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 you are great. And you can also download this background music by going down here and go to the band camp of Sha Sha Z. Actually, the track of today is from the new mixtape that they sent out. Actually, this, I think it's really a, an album that is in band camp. And the name of the track of today is called Self-Defense from Tara. I think it's a great music and all the people that are putting music there together are independent and progressive thinkers. 
and I think that Ukrainian people that are really getting shelter from bombs now, they need some support. That's my two cents. If you want to drop your two cents, you know where to go and do it. People, I'm going to talk to you soon.